I don't know if you get amazed. That was actually part of my sermon, that, that uh, video clip. I don't know if you get amazed at how great God is. I mean, I, I don't know. Is there anyone here who thinks that their sins are worth someone dying for? I wouldn't swap anyone's life here for mine, except maybe my kids. I'd die for my kids. God is a great God. I love how um, verse after verse it says, um, the disciples were amazed. I can tell you now my wife who lives with me day in, day out is probably not amazed by what I do. The disciples lived with Jesus every single day for years and yet constantly they were amazed. The grace of God to die on the cross for us is amazing. One of my lecturers in college said, it is scandalous that God would give his life for us. His grace for you and for me is scandalous. Book of Romans tells us that we have all sinned and we have all fallen short of what God's plan for our lives was, the mark for our lives. You know that. I know that. Who lives up to their own expectations? I don't even live up to my own expectations let alone God's expectations of perfection. And there's a consequence for that. It says the consequence of that sin is death. Emotional death, spiritual death, separation from God and separation from everything that is good. God is good and everything that is good is God. It's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean. Has anyone seen Pirates of the Caribbean? Great movie. These zombie pirates. Who, who's seen it? Just so I don't have to... Oh, good. We, most, most of us got it. Zombie pirates, you know, they've stolen the cursed gold. They think this gold is going to be the answer to everything for them. They steal it. And what happens? They die on the inside, slowly but surely. And everything they, they touch that used to give them joy, pleasure becomes nothing to them and life becomes grey, becomes nothing, no joy, no anything in it. It's like porridge. Their life is like porridge, bland, grey, bleh. Sorry to all the Scots in the room, I apologise. I don't have porridge every morning. Anyway, moving along. Moving along. And so these uh, zombie pirates, Jeffrey Rush is the zombie pirate, does everything in their power to put their stolen treasure back in the chest so that they can get life back. That's sin. Great analogy for sin. We chase things that we think are going to give us so much pleasure and so much joy, and when it's not of God... And not God's plan for our life. It's like zombie pirate life for us. Death. No joy in it. 
We think it should give us joy, but it just doesn't give us joy. Does anyone experience that? I've experienced that. We chase after things that we think are going to give us pleasure, but they don't. That's sin. That is sin. But it's not the end. And that's what I love. God hasn't left it there. In steps God with his amazing, amazing grace. Amazing grace. I look at that video and I'm amazed. I love that video. I'm amazed at how good God is. Through all my failings, through all my times of rejecting him, he's still there. In fact, um, God was there waiting for me even before I chose to turn and look to him. He's waiting. Amazing grace. What amazes me most is that how great a gift that God gives us that we can experience that grace and then turn back to our sin. I'll put it personally, that I can experience such forgiveness, healing, wholeness, grace, love, extravagant love in my life and I can reject it and go back to sin. That is amazing. What I get amazed at too is that others reject that amazing grace and don't even want to experience it. If you've never experienced God, never given your life to God, it is not like you become another person. It's not. You just become a better you. God makes me the best me that I can be. I haven't lost any of the traits of Andrew that... I had before Christ, I've just become a better version of me. My jokes are better. They never were dad jokes and now they're dad jokes. They're better. You'll get better. You'll have kids. You'll have kids and you'll have dad jokes. It's good. It's all good. I'm joking. Okay. Worst of all, and we are all guilty of this, is when we experience such extravagant, I keep pointing to the gold chest there. Can you see the gold chest there? The extravagant grace of God. And we experience such forgiveness. And we experience forgiveness for such a great deal of sin and pain and hurt in our lives, stuff we've imposed on ourselves, stuff we've imposed on others. And we experience it and we face other people and we are unforgiving to them. That is scandalous. When we experience such forgiveness from God for all of what we have done wrong in life, he forgives us and we embrace it wholeheartedly and then someone wrongs us and we hold it against them bitterly. That is scandalous. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And I feel like it downplays to the max the extravagant gift of God's grace for each and every one of us when we reject it so easily, when we hold a, hold a, a problem between each other. Matthew 18. If you've got your Bibles there, I'd love you to follow along. Matthew 18. Peter comes to Jesus, starting at verse 
I can't see in this light. I need new glasses, just quietly. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began to uh, began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, cancelled the debt and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him, began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees, begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. When the master called the servant in, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I cancelled all your debt. I cancelled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he could pay back all he owed. Jesus then says to Peter, This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Forgiveness brings up a whole stack of questions for me, doesn't it? So bring up questions for you. What does forgiveness look like? What does it mean to forgive? Why do I find it hard, so hard to forgive? Why should I forgive? Is there a limit to forgiveness? Does forgiveness mean that I should let people keep hurting me? Does forgiveness mean that I forget? Anyone else got any questions? Forgiveness? No? Don't want to comment? Remember, um, I had this guy come to become a Christian in one of our first churches. And um, he was a strong, bold man. Kind of, was Rob? Like Rob. Man's man. Big guy. He came to me about two weeks after he gave his life to be a Christian. Worked in a rough kind of area. And um, he said to me, I can't do this Christian thing anymore. I just cannot do it. This is, it's just beyond me. He said, I just cannot be a doormat anymore. Where in this Bible did you find that being a Christian was a doormat? That you had to... Um, that forgiveness was being a doormat to everyone, that let you let them run all over you and do whatever you want, you know, like that you get treated like garbage. Where did you read that? The Jesus I read in this Bible is not a doormat. He went to the cross willingly. 
when he didn't like what happened in the church, when people were selling things and stopping poor people coming to church, what does it say he did? Turned him over. Not only that, he went out and fashioned a whip. He fashioned a whip. He came into church with a whip. Drove him out. Can you imagine? I think Jesus was a guy to be reconciled with. Like, serious. If you're selling things and making a huge profit out of it, and a guy comes in and tries to, to throw you out, I think he had opposition. I think he was a guy that you did not mess around with. Forgiveness does not mean you're a doormat. Forgiveness does not mean you're a doormat. Forgiveness does not mean you're a, a Ned Flanders. Oakley, Oakley, everybody, you know, it's all good. Forgiveness is not about allowing people to continually hurt you. What it is, is about actually letting go of the hurt that people have done to you. We've all heard that saying that um, 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 anger and uh, revenge is like asking someone else to drink poison and and, um, hoping that, um, oh, what is it? Yeah, me drinking poison and hoping they will die. Yes, thank you. It's good. I like it. I might put it in my sermon. Anger, bitterness is hurting yourself so that other people will know how much they've hurt you. doesn't make sense, but we do it to ourselves all the time. You know, Peter's question to, um, with, to Jesus was actually a really reasonable one. How many times should I forgive? The current debate of the day was three times. The religious people, like myself, would tell their congregations, you only have to forgive people three times. That's enough, and after that, that's good. I remember there's this uh, story of a a, uh, boxer who turned to be a preacher, an evangelist. He was setting up the tent, and a couple of rowdy youth came in and hit him. And uh, didn't do anything, kept setting the tent up, so they hit him again. Took off his jacket, rolled up his sleeves, He said, my Lord gave me advice about what I should do when I'm hit the first time. That's the only advice he gave me. Rolled up his sleeves. It's on. Peter asks, it's a reasonable question. How many times should I forgive? And he suggests seven. That is double what was the current suggestion. So what does Jesus say? I don't know what version you have. Some say seven times 77. Some say 77 times. There's a, a couple of versions. But the ultimate... Um, meaning behind it is that if you're counting and keeping score, you haven't forgiven. Forgiveness does not keep score. I wonder if you're holding a score against someone. Man, they've done that to me again and again. Jesus told me to turn the cheek once. they've done it twice, they've done it three times, now it's seven. My goodness, they're going to get it. Forgiveness doesn't keep score. And if you keep score, maybe you haven't forgiven. There's some very good reasons why you should forgive. Because unforgiveness makes you miserable. Miserable. I don't know if you noticed the, ja- the first servant, miserable little character he was, gets forgiven for a whole stack, goes out, sees someone who owes him a little bit, and he's 
furious with him, throws him into jail when the picture of God, God the Father, the King, gets the first servant and says he throws him into jail and tortures him until he can pay it back. It's the picture of unforgiveness in our lives is that we're kept in this prison being tortured day in, day out. Tortured by our, by our unforgiveness of each other, by our unforgiveness of others. When we've experienced so much extravagant grace and we hold it against others. Yet it is very hard to do, and I'm not downplaying it, forgiveness is hard to do. Has anyone heard the story about dead men walking? Debbie Morris? Um, I believe the story, she was um, raped and um, left for dead pretty much by a whole bunch of guys. She says this about the people who were actually, I think, on death row at the time. She them, forgave them and she found healing for herself. She said this, Forgiveness for me meant that I was no longer the one who was responsible for Robert Lee Wiley's fate, for vengeance against him. Forgiveness for me was very personal. It's what allowed me to be able to move on and experience God's love and grace and the peace that he would have me have. Forgiveness isn't about releasing others. It's about releasing yourself. Seen the story Sleepers? Anyone seen the story Sleepers? True story. Four young boys um, were physically, um, got done in for a crime they didn't do or, or something. Anyway, they went to like juvie and um, got sexually, physically abused. They eventually thought for the rest of our lives, we'll grow up and when we grow up, we'll find those guys who did that and we're going to get them. Well, funny enough, Two of them got their lives on track and two of them decided when they saw someone who was one of the offenders that they would get their justice. And they got justice. They killed him and killed them. But the story goes that even in killing them and getting their justice, enacting their justice, they didn't find release. They still didn't find forgiveness and healing in their lives and they went on still messed up lives. Justice does not equal forgiveness. We need to forgive because we have been forgiven. We need to forgive because you and I will need forgiveness in the future. If I haven't offended you yet, I am going to offend you. If I haven't offended... No, I'm probably offended you, Cheryl... I plenty of times, exactly. If I haven't offended you yet, I am going to. But fair's fair. If you haven't offended me yet, you're going to. I'm going to hurt you. You're going to hurt me. You need to forgive me. I need to forgive you. I forgive you because at some point, I'm going to need forgiveness myself. At some point, you're going to need forgiveness. At some point, you're going to need forgiveness from God. Not only at some stage will we need forgiveness from the other servant, 
But verse 35 reminds us that one day we're going to need forgiveness from God. And here's the scary thing. The passage tells us right at the end, do you remember what it says? This is how my heavenly Father will treat you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. The same level of forgiveness that you show to another person is the same level of forgiveness that you will receive from God, your heavenly Father. If you don't believe me, let's just go to the Lord's Prayer for a second. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as, oh, as we forgive those who trespass against us. So God, you pray it. I've prayed it. Who has not said the Lord's Prayer here? I've prayed to God at some point saying, God, I am asking that you forgive my sins just like to the same level, no more, no less than what I forgive other people. Massive challenge. Massive challenge. The same measuring stick of forgiveness that I have for others is the measuring stick that will be used against me. I find that challenging because... I find it very easy to look at other people's sins and go, oh, I wouldn't have done that. What an idiot. Did I say idiot? My kids would have reprimanded me. Daddy. But when I look at my own things, I go, well, you know, that's, that's justifiable. You know, he cut me off in traffic. Yeah, that, I, you know, I had a right to wave to him. You know, I was angry. He cut me off. The same level of forgiveness that I want to receive from God is the same level of forgiveness, the benchmark from what I, level of forgiveness I show to others. If you want to receive forgiveness from God, if I want to receive forgiveness from God, I need to look at my life. You need to look at your life. You need to look at the bitterness, the anger, the resentment that you have towards others the same level of forgiveness that we have for each other is the same level of forgiveness that we receive from God. I wanted to show that clip at the start tonight because God's grace is amazing. And I really do believe that how we use that grace and how we handle that grace with each other shows the level of respect that we have for that. If I ignore that and treat you guys like garbage, then I do not respect the gift that God has given me in my life. The Bible says that people will know how, what type of people we are by the love that we show one another. I have a firm belief when Jesus is asked the, the great, greatest commandment, love God with all your heart, soul and mind, and he's asked one commandment. He gives one. Love God, love others. It's the same, it's the two sides of the same coin. You cannot have one and not have the other. If you love God, you will love others. I cannot have unforgiveness in my heart and say that I love God. I'm going to get the worship team back up. I'm going to play the clip again. Excellent. I love it. There's two things that you can do with your hurt. 
and I just before I just wrap up, I am not saying that what has ever happened to you is justifiable. It is not. It is never justifiable to hurt someone else. But what I'm saying to you is there is two things you can do with that hurt. You can hold on to it or you can hand it over. And it is your choice entirely. You can find freedom. You can walk out of the cell. Or you can stay in that cell being tortured day in, day out for the rest of eternity. Because the thing is, here's the key to the the thing. The The figure that that man owed, the first servant, is actually equivalent to millions and millions of dollars. I don't know about your bank accounts, but I don't see anyone in this room that could pay back millions of dollars of debt. He stayed in the prison until he could pay the debt. No one here in this room can pay the debt of their sin. It is Christ and Christ alone. So until you accept God's grace onto your life and find forgiveness and hand over your hurt, you will stay trapped in pain, being tortured, because you can't find it for yourself. You can't free yourself in Christ alone. I'm going to ask the team to come back. And I just want to give you that opportunity. What will you do? Will you hold on to it? Oh, that's all right. Sorry, not the team. Clip. I'm like a goldfish. Hold on to it or hand it over. And that is your choice entirely. I want to give you the opportunity to come down the front. Hand it over. Hand it over. I'll just praise it. You can complete playing that. Just quickly pray. God, we ask you to move in our lives right now. It is all about you. It is in you alone. There are people here who are hurting. There are people here who are suffering, who feel tortured and trapped. There are people here who are holding on to bitterness and have not, have not accepted your grace in their lives. Move in our lives right now, God. Help us to hand that junk over. Grace is here. Find healing. Find forgiveness. Find release. Come. Each day.